Thank you for listening to this selection from bradhambrick.com. Brad serves as pastor of counseling at the Summit Church in Durham, North Carolina, and is excited to produce resources that equip believers and resource churches to care well for one another in their community. We pray that this serves you well, and we hope that you'll consider utilizing other resources from bradhambrick.com for your personal growth and ministry endeavors. Uh, After implementation uh, comes persevering. Uh, Persevering in the new life and identity to which God has called called you. Uh, Or as I might say, particularly in this kind of situation, living in the anticlimax of change. Uh, Peace is not as exciting as fear. I mean, it's kind of self-evident, but it's worth saying. Peace is not as exciting as fear. And so when I get to the point that I'm experiencing peace, it's going to feel anticlimactic to the way that I was living when things just seemed overwhelming. And so, um, it, at this point in your journey, not necessarily the live event where we're having this conversation, but when you get to this point in the journey, one of the questions I would ask you, can you enjoy where you are? Right now, incomplete, progressive sanctification, work in progress. Can you enjoy where you are right now? Because I think that is one of the absolute vital keys to engaging our battle with depression and anxiety. Can we enjoy an incomplete, in-process life? Because if the answer is no, we're not going to be happy till heaven. Can we enjoy where we're at right now? Can can there still be stuff to work on? Can there still be things that I want to improve? Things that I want to get better at? Things that I wish weren't a part of my life? Can those things still be there? And I enjoy life. Can there be elements of depression and anxiety that linger in my day? And I still have a good day. And go, you know what? This one variable is not going to define my entire day. And the thing is, we do that with most areas of our life. We tend not to do it with depression and anxiety, especially if it's a struggle that has become chronic for us. It, you know, my fantasy football team can get beat on the weekend. And it doesn't ruin my total Monday. But I can experience a little bit of depression and anxiety. And if that's something, especially if there's this sense of stigma and shame, I just think I've blown it and I feel dirty for a week. Um, and so, again, one of those points, we go, how do I know if I'm getting it? Can you enjoy an incomplete, in-process life? Uh, huge aspect. That's why Ed Welch would say, when the Spirit changes you, there usually aren't bombs going off. Uh, He means that in the good spiritual sense, not in the uh, awkward sense. Uh, And and you have as many bad days as you have good days. But you notice that you're turning to Jesus more. Then, as Jesus gets bigger in your eyes, the opinions of others simply become, well, the opinions of others. 
um, and not the piercing gaze of giants. And so he's talking about uh, that aspect of anxiety that would be kind of people-pleasing and social anxiety when he talks about that. But, but whatever it is. Now, it's in the midst of persevering uh, that oftentimes our life changes in a way that the things that we've been doing up until this point become less effective or our strategy needs to change a little bit. And so I just want to take a moment to look at some of those. Uh, what are some of the common lies and distractions that begin to come as things get better? Uh, one of those is that I deserve a break. I've been good for a while now. Um, if, if your thoughts towards how you're approaching depression and anxiety is something that you feel like you need a break from, then chances are you neglected those aspects that have to do with your pursuit of joy plan. You didn't hear those aspects that have to do with rest and stewarding your body well. Uh, because we should not have to take a break from healthy. And what do we call it when we take a break from healthy? Unhealthy. And we're not going to do unhealthy long without getting broken back where we were before. And so if that mentality is what comes up, then I would invite you to go back to chapter 6 and look at some of those pursuit of joy elements. Uh, maybe do the seminar that we have on decision making in our Gospel Center Marriage Series and look at how well am I living a balanced life and thinking through the choices that I'm making to make sure that everything that I think is expected of me is actually what's expected of me and it's not something that I'm reading on to God and that he's, uh, that I feel like He's projecting down upon me. It, uh, now I can get back to focusing what's important to me. Well, again, that's where we've got to have a good relationship with those things that we talked about in chapter 3. All of those uh, I want, I believe, uh, I trust areas of motivation, if we don't have a good relationship with them, then what's going to happen, we're going to be back in emotional middle school. And we're going to have this friend that was just a bad friend. And we can recognize that, uh, that this is just going really badly, we're getting in too much trouble, so we start to distance ourselves from them. We distance ourselves from them. Things start to go a little better. And then we remember all the good times that we had together. And we go back and get in the same relationship with the bad friend. We don't want the same kind of relationship that we had before with those things in chapter 3. It, uh, sometimes we think this is not working because temptation is still present. Uh, no one else has to work this hard. And... I think one of the things to recognize about temptation, we sometimes think that temptation will get easier the longer we resist it. And I think there's times when that's true and times when it's not. And so sometimes we, we, think, about, um, anxiety, or we think about resisting temptation as if it were lifting weights. And if I'm struggling to lift 100 pounds, if I keep doing it then in a couple of weeks or months, then, then 100 pounds is not going to feel so heavy. Uh, but there is also a sense in which temptation is like walking upstream against the current of our world that is pressing against us. And so if we ask, 
Again, use this picture to help you get that. Sometimes we think Jesus had it easier with temptation because he was like God and stuff. And if I were God, it would be a lot easier to face temptation. I want to challenge that notion. I think it was only Jesus who walked far enough upstream against the weight of temptation in our world that he ever experienced the full impact of what that would be like. It, uh, I give you a couple of other things there, um, but you know, sometimes having victory over something changes the way uh, that temptations look. Um, and uh, you know, one is disappointment from a new height. Sometimes we, as much as we try to resist it, we treat everything like it's getting AA chips. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to, to AA, but you come and you get your you kind of one-day chip, and then you come for a little longer and you get your 30-day chip, and then your 60-day chip, and as you're in there for an extended period of time. But if you ever relapse, you've got to go back and get that one-day chip. And, and we feel like we're doing good for a while. And then we mess up and we just get all bent out of shape. We kind of get despairing over something that goes wrong or we get really fearful in a situation and we think, ah, I've got to go back and get my one-day chip. I think that's a really poor picture of how to focus on this in a couple of ways. One, that's why we did the whole wave diagram. Because even if I did get really bent out of shape and the amplitude of what I was experiencing was comparable, but the duration of it was less and the frequency of it was further apart, there's still multiple spots where I can say, the grace of God was very active there. But as Leslie Vernick would point out, as toddlers, uh, we intuitively know that falling down is part of learning to walk. In the same way as adults, we need to realize that failure teaches us many lessons that we need in order to succeed. Uh, and so we have to be able to handle when we do poorly after we've done good for a while. Yet, uh, the pressure of new opportunities. Uh, when we really struggle with depression and anxiety, and people can see that, they may shy away from bringing certain questions to us because they don't want to be a burden. Because they don't want to stress us out more. As we begin to respond to those emotions better, it may be that people are coming to us uh, and, and asking us questions. Now, just because somebody asks you a question doesn't mean you're the source of the answer. Uh, and I think that's where counselors really have to wrestle a bit, not getting on a power trip. Um, but the source of the answer, we are merely a conduit uh, to whatever hope that we have experienced. But when we're in that position and people see us managing those things well, uh, our experience will become different. And I give you some things there on preparing for a transition. And this is primarily if you're going through this material in a very formal way. Uh, if you're going through it with a, uh, with a counselor or with a, some kind of mentoring relationship, uh, as you near the end of that, uh, just some things that I would encourage. Make sure that you're in a small group. If you've done this in a form of artificial community, uh, and counseling is kind of an artificial community. It's where I confide in someone that's not going to be a natural friendship kind of relationship and we just go get coffee and that kind of stuff. But sometimes there's some safety in that kind of relationship that I just learn how to talk about some things that 
that I need to learn how to have those conversations elsewhere, being a part of a small group is a place where you learn to bridge some of those things uh, so that you don't need a professional that you keep in a box. You've got friends that you do life with. Uh, and again, I'm not against counseling. I am a counselor. I don't say that pejoratively, but I, I would much rather be a facilitator of natural relationships uh, than a promoter of artificial ones. And when we do artificial, let's just use it as a conduit to better natural relationships. Again, learn accountability and encouragement. I feel like we've talked about that. Have a plan for future study. You know, if you were to ask me how to, how to use this material, it, here would be a recommendation that I would make. Uh, here, you've kind of, if you're at the live presentation, you've, you've heard the whole material. If you're on video, I'd encourage you to listen through all the material through just one time. Listen to it as a, as a verbal presentation. Uh, then maybe get that larger notebook if you feel like you don't get what you need to, to work through that. And, and read through that notebook almost like you would a book. Uh, you know, not taking time to do every exercise or that kind of thing. Just to kind of slow down and hear it differently. Uh, and then if you want to, go back and, and go through it as a study and doing the exercises. Um, but um, it, having a plan for, for how you're going to do that. Uh, and then a a formal transition plan. If you're doing this in a formal way, uh, where you just think through, what are the red flags? Eh, not red flags, let's not wait for those. Let's do, what are the yellow flags that would say, this is where this is starting to create some, some ruckus in my life again? I need to begin to address that. Um, and then, do I have a sense of commitment that I would do that? Or am I at that spot where I would wait for things to get that bad again before I would begin to reach out for help? 